Hello and welcome to Stormdrake's Podcast, episode number 83. I'm Schmitty. I'm Stark. I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook. Uh, it is a wonderfully snowy, miserable day. <laughs> and At least we weren't expecting us. this much snow. I mean, yeah, a little bit of snow, but not this much freaking snow. Stupid weather guessers. And see, the funny thing is, is that this... Recently, in the past two weeks, I found that this show is now listened to far more places than I ever expected. So we're sitting here complaining about the snow, but we got people in Thailand listening to us who are wondering what on earth is snow. <laughs> snow is something that stupid drivers try to drive real fast in. It's and suddenly they can't. Then suddenly they can't stop. <laughs> so that was a worthless ent- opening. How about our sponsors? We want to thank our sponsors. Yes, trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. And we are once again also brought to you by gotomeeting.com. GoToMeeting is the best way if you want to be able to meet with your other colleagues and whatnot. That can be difficult. If you want to meet with all of your clients or potential clients, that can be downright impossible. GoToMeeting with HD Faces by Citrix, make it very possible. Make it easy. You can try it. You can buy it, you can get it, you can have as many unlimited meetings as you want. Many people will join on there, you can all share your webcams, it's the only way to be able to meet face-to-face, and we want you to be able to try it free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click on the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Again, that is PODCAST for your chance to use it free for 30 days. Go to Meeting with HD Faces, meeting is believing. All right. Yes. We have feedback. Yay! From our favorite guy, Ruff. Thanks, Ruff. Uh, about last week's one. Remember, we were talking about um, uh, censorship on yes, the internet. Remember that? No, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. That's right, we censored him. <laughs> Sh- Schmitty lost his internet, but he got better. He got better. All right, well. Uh, if in case you didn't listen, you should go back and listen. But this was a uh, there was an article about uh, a neo-Nazi group on Twitter that the German government asked to have Twitter block, and Twitter complied. And we asked if it was censorship, and if censorship in some instances is okay. Ruff wrote us back says, guys, Twitter blocking a feed has nothing to do with the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, even if they blocked a U.S. feed. The actual text of the First Amendment is, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. It does not say, Twitter shall make no law, take no action, abridging the freedom of speech. So Twitter is 100% free to do what they please with regards to the First Amendment. Twitter is providing the service, and if they want to remove the service to a select or group of individuals, fine by me. To me, free speech without consequence, i.e. your comment tr- of regarding trolls in real life, is just as bad as I am removing your right to free speech. Wasn't it you guys who talked about the troll that had his real-life name and address publicly exposed? Cheers, Ruff. Ruff, you would normally be right. Except for you missed the part where we actually said it was the government who reached out and told Twitter to block it. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right in that the Constitution only limits what the government can do, but in this case, the government reached out to a private entity and said this is what you're going to do so the government was censoring yeah you're absolutely right if twitter had just said no we don't like that it violates our eula we're going to cut you 
They can't. Yeah. They can't. You're absolutely right. But in this case, the German government reached out to Twitter and said, block access to these feeds, please, and Twitter complied. And 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 obviously the U.S. Constitution doesn't apply to Germany. However, you know, we were talking about censorship, and mm-hmm. it just kind of yeah. went that way. So I, I apologize if we weren't very clear on that. The hypotheticals I was using, um, I was talking about the government stopping a Twitter feed, not... Twitter stopping a feed. In the case of this neo-Nazi group, it was the German government who stepped out and did that. Um, so, I, I, again, I'm sorry if it wasn't very clear there, but no, in this case, it was a question of censorship because of the government involvement. So um, He also, and this is not necessarily in here, he emailed me personally because, you know, we roll like that. Um, that there was another article that we did not talk about a couple weeks ago. And uh, he's completely right. We are completely amit- remiss about it. But the uh, Dragon capsule that went up to the uh, ISS? Yeah. Yeah. Oh! All right. We're we're shamed. (laughs) We are. We are the sucks. (laughs) Um, Well, as he points out, um, and this came to light actually as it was launching, as it was still on its way to the ISS, uh, the Falcon 9 rocket lost one of its engines. Not like lost, like it fell off. It just was ineffective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's how great this is. And I think this is great because this rocket, this privately built rocket, saw that one of the engines wasn't working right. The onboard computer immediately shut it off and on the fly, literally, figuratively, <laughs> on um, the launch, <laughs> on the launch, recalculated the burn time and trajectory to still achieve the cr- the proper orbit. Nice. He learned, learned from Mannequin Skywalker during his pod race. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, it was... Yeah. Oh man, something I wish I could remember exactly what those uh, that two-headed announcer said about him. But um, it was able to do that all on the fly. Now, this the Saturn V rocket could do the same thing. And in fact, if you remember... Um, that scene in Apollo 13 while they're launching and the number 5 engine is going out. Uh, the only difference is they didn't have the computers to do it automatically. It but. took it took a couple more seconds. I, the the Dragon the, the launcher for this did did in about 0.18 seconds or so. Yeah. Yay, so computers. And it's still up there, still docked with the ISS. It's uh, planning to come back in about four or five days. Uh, well, uh, the 29th of October, I think it'll come back down um, in about four days as of the recording of this podcast. Yay. <laughs> That's so cool. Yes. Um, Windows 8 launches tomorrow. Friday. Friday. Yay. Friday. I should probably stop saying Which things could... like today or tomorrow because I have no clue when... <laughs> people out there are going to listen to it. Windows 8 could have launched three days ago. They're listening or... to 2014. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait, don't you mean Windows 9? <laughs> I personally am excited for this. If you want my thoughts on it, you should go visit the site, StolenDroids.com. I wrote a nice, rather long article on it, which people have been misreading and arguing with me about. People, I know I'm not infallible. I know I'm not 100% correct all the time. I know. Shocking. But if you're going to argue with me on any points on it, at least read the article. 
please. <laughs> you seem you seem to get people that like to argue with you quite a bit on your articles on the site. Articles, nothing. You should see my ex. But um, but <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all night. Try the veal. Um, well, I, I was actually just thinking of of your talk about about the Starship Enterprise and and the issues oh, yeah. that you have with the science behind Star Trek. Uh, man, you've like you're like trolling the internet with your posts, yeah, it, man. If you, if you want a good read, read the comments on those posts. Not. <laughs> It's not even so much the the articles. It's the people who just immediately knee jerk and feel the need to comment about something without actually reading it. <laughs> One shot first. Yeah, we're talking about Star Trek here. Thanks. <laughs> Anywho, um, eight's launching. I'm excited. We don't have any other details. I didn't get to listen watch the uh, the launch event from Microsoft today, Thursday. Nothing new that we already didn't know, and maybe a few extra laptops coming out. Some cool stuff from Asus. And they're having <sighs> a Hobbit is going to be advertised at Denny's, and they're going to have Hobbit breakfasts at Denny's. Yeah, they're bringing Elevensies into the picture, I believe. I don't know what to think about this one. And second mm. I'm confused. Is this still part of the Microsoft event? <laughs> oh, we're still talking about Microsoft. What? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the Hobbit leaves, there for a second. Microsoft leads to Hobbit. Hobbit leads to Levensies. <laughs> Fear there's leads to some, suffering. There's a bunch of sausage in there somewhere. <laughs> it all leads to the dark side. <laughs> I see much Hobbits in you. Okay, um, <laughs> that sounds like a show title. <laughs> no, or a porn. Um, yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Let's start off with the big event this week. It was the Apple event. Which was also the most div- oh dividing. It was huge. I see. Was this really an event, though? It well, it was. It was their, yeah, it was their yeah. Apple build it as an event. They launched a few new products and some updates to some other products. So let's run down the list. They introduced the 13-inch MacBook Pro with Retina. Retina, of course, is their high-end uh, LCD screen, which is just stupid crazy in terms of resolution. It really is gorgeous. So you, you you can't if you if you're human you cannot see the full resolution of this you yeah. have to be like superhuman to and, and you know and uh, I'm not being facetious here it really is an impressive display yeah. it really is gorgeous now they already have it on their thir- on their 15 inch they now have it on their 13 inch uh, has uh, different variations you can buy and it starts at seventeen hundred dollars. Which surprises nobody who knows how Mac does their pricing structure. For a 13-inch laptop. Mm. That is stupid. Stupid. But then on the flip side, they released their new Mac Mini, which has incredible performance. They're already benchmarking it. People are going nuts about how powerful that is. And it starts at $500. This, this is, is the this is the mini iPad. No, no, no. This is the Mac uh, Mini. Oh, Mac the desktop. Mac. Okay, all right. Okay, we'll get there. Um, and it's incredibly powerful. People are praising it left and right. It's more powerful by far than the previous generation. And it starts at five hundred dollars. I actually thought that it started at nine ninety nine. Oh, I Did probably I... might be five ninety nine. Did I screw that up? I might have. I think it's five ninety nine. I think you're both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> to the interwebs. It is. It's okay. fine. 
Uh, yeah, no, it's five ninety nine for uh, i five dual core. That's its start one, and nine ninety nine for the quad core i seven. Oh, okay. If you don't know what that is. One's pretty fast. One's super fast. That's it. Okay, so that's pretty awesome. Thanks. Then they released the new iMac. When I saw this thing, I thought they were joking. Go out and find pictures. Look it up. Because until you see it, you will not believe what I am saying. But an iMac, you know, it's their all-in-one, where the, the screen and the computer are all part of one unit, tapers down to five millimeters at the edges. That's thinner than the iPad. It's freaking small. It's freaking tiny. Now, of course, it bulges up in the middle of the back where the actual computer components are located. But the it, it's an optical illusion, but the illusion works. It is gorgeous. Um, it's even pretty affordable. The 21-inch starts at 1300 The 27-inch starts at 1700 It's a pretty powerful desktop. So, okay, so Apple has a stupid, crazy, expensive laptop and two really good desktops but it's batting pretty well right mm-hmm. then they release a new iPad now Which still sounds like a tampon thank you Stark <laughs> now for anyone keeping track this is the iPad 4 they're not going to call it that and that's okay but if you're confused it's probably because you're remembering that the iPad 3 also not called that, but we're going to call it here for clarification, released only seven months ago. I was thinking that it seemed a little bit soon to be having a new iPad on the market. Now, there, this new one has an even more powerful graphics chip. Retina. Uh, it has an even higher resolution retina display. It has a more powerful CPU, and it has a Thunderbolt connector instead of the, uh, the 30-pin that the uh, other iPad had. Those are all good things. Those are all things that needed to happen. And even more importantly, this one is now released closer to Christmas, which is a huge deal for iPads. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, Apple always released the iPad in the spring, which means that come Christmas time, everyone's forgotten about it. In fact, we've talked about this in episodes past. Android tablets, Microsoft tablets, all launching in the the fall, just in time for the Christmas season. iPad, for whatever reason, six months before. So they fixed that, and I get that. That's not what confuses me. What confuses me is, why did they even bother releasing an iPad 3 if they were just going to immediately turn around and make it obsolete six months later? But what what are the new features with the, why? I mean, what's the benefit here? It Just has a little bit better, a little bit better LTE, a little bit better screen, a little bit better uh, CPU and GPU, a little bit smaller. better connector. No, it's it's not smaller. It's not the iPad Mini. No, there, oh, that's, there's a new iPad. You're jumping the gun, Stark. <laughs> there is a new iPad, and there's an iPad Mini. There's two of them. Hmm. Okay, so the iPad 4, that's not 4, that is really 4, um, bad idea? I, I say yeah. I'd say whatever. it's a fine idea. Say just, if the 3 was the bad idea. I think, yeah, <laughs> 3 would have been the bad idea then. Why release okay. the 3? So, so timing is questionable. Yeah, I mean, if you are an iPad 3 owner, if you went out and bought it like I did, 
I, I don't have it anymore because it was for my work. I had to return it when I uh, when I got a new job. But I would be pretty pissed, and I think oh, I'd be so. furious. It's like okay, you know, people who buy Apple already upgrade maybe every one every two years, which is still pretty frequent for computer hardware. But six months. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, but then they went out and they brought out the iPad Mini. Now a lot of tech. <laughs> now, now you can talk, Stark. Well, see, and this is what I've been hearing about all the time on the news. I mean, I didn't even hear about all this, these other iPads and stuff like that. And and people are like, iPad Mini, isn't that called an iPhone? And other people are like, why would I want a shrunk down iPad? And, and, and a lot of people well, see, have been and, responding and let that people, way. Let people complain about that all they want. The seven-inch tablet market has proven that it is popular and wanted. So, yes. you know, let people complain all they want. They're not the target audience anyway. So they released a 7.9-inch iPad. It is same very the display. Same, well, actually, no. Oh, it's not the Retina? It's not the Retina. Surprising. Okay, we'll run down the features here, but it uses um, the Thunderbolt dock as well. It's 7.9. It has about the same hardware specs as an iPad 2, which is called an iPad 2. Okay, whatever. We're, we're used to that. It has Apple's pretty strong ecosystem. Everyone's watching this, and we're thinking, okay, well, let's see. The Kindle Fire, you can get one for $99. The Kindle Fire HD, you can get one for $199. The Nexus 7, you can get for $199 or $250. So this one should be about the $250, maybe $270 range. Then they drop the number, $330. That's just if you just want the base option. You want LTE? There's another hundred and thirty dollars on top of that. Mm-hmm. We want the sixty-four gig LTE. That's uh, six hundred and eighty dollars. Six hundred, six hundred sixty dollars. So at least they have a sixty-four gig version. It is just it, from this point we've gone from stupid awesome to stupid stupid to stupid thin. Now we're here at stupid expensive. Mm. Yeah, you know. But the thing is. These Apple fanboys are going to buy it. It makes Kool-Aid. it makes no sense to me, and it's the one thing. It's like I, I I know that this is a joke that all Apple people say, and all Android and Windows people say that Apple people say, but it's true in this case. If Steve Jobs are, were still around, this crap would not have gone down. Right. It is ridiculous. Okay. Here and, and here, if you're listening to this, this is why I believe this. And you may not agree with me, and that's fine. This is too expensive. It is dated hardware. It is hardware that is a year and a half old. The only thing you're doing is buying an iPad. And a, you're buying a used iPad that just happens to have shrunk in the wash. <laughs> <laughs> But you know the the dated hardware is kind of this um, mo of Apple at this point in time. I mean, they're not really innovating anything. That's at- debatable because the uh, A6X chip that just got put in the new iPad is on par with a lot of what's in Android tablets and the new Microsoft Surface. So their yeah. new stuff is still pretty good. It's still pretty high end. Yeah, and unfortunately, the the people that this is aimed for are going to get this because it's an Apple product. 
the people yes. that are looking for a seven-inch tablet that are aren't Apple price. Are, are going to go get Nexus Sevens or, or see or I. Tablet. But, I don't know if that's right, though, Schmitty, because I actually had a f- friend who posted on my Facebook page that he was thinking of getting one, and it kind of turned into a giant flame war that turned into <laughs> a to a to a tech talk. For those of you who don't aren't my friends on Facebook, um, I don't have friends really. Um, I'm very lonely. He pays us to actually but, be his friends. With <laughs> but you know, he his first his comment was hey i think i may go get one i'm like dude you're better off going with the nook it's or excuse me not a nook um a nexus 7 for cheaper price and you know he's he's not a i wouldn't say he's an apple fanboy by any stretch of the imagination but you know they're sucking these people in too I would say him and people like him were caught up in the the magic of the moment. Like I would, I would argue that if you can look at two identical products, and in this case they're not identical, one's actually at a deficit compared to the other one. But for argument's sake, let's say they're on even footing, and say these are the same across the board, but this one costs one hundred and thirty dollars more. If you still go for the more expensive one, yes, you're a fanboy. Yes. It's the only way that would make sense. Logical people don't do that. And I'm not... I'm I'm sorry, that sounds like I'm trying to flame all Apple people. I'm not, necessarily. But it's like, the only reason you would buy that premium is if it's a premium you want. And if you're willing to pay that much more for an Apple premium, it's because you're a fanboy. Grandma, who doesn't really know much about these things, is not going to go out and pay that much more for a device, just based on the brand name. Right. Well, she will if the sales guy says it just works. <laughs> it yeah. will toast your toast. Your that means that you. she's in an Apple store, which means that she is a fan grandma. <laughs> a fan ma. Fan ma. <laughs> so, what's really crazy is that is in the press conference today, Thursday, the 25th, Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, says we will never do a 7-inch tablet. 7-inch tablets are just stupid. We'll never do them. Well, technically speaking, this is almost eight inches. It, <laughs> it's a seven point nine inch tablet. You got out of that by only point nine inches. Fess up. You were just copying the herd. Yeah. Well, anyway. the seven inch tablet's a popular market. I mean, it. Yeah. You mentioned this earlier. It's it's definitely one that there's a lot of money to be made in and. Apple would be stupid not to do it, but you know, they technically it's a it's an almost eight inch tablet. I'm sorry, they, yeah. they missed the mark on it <laughs> by a long shot. And I, I I I for one will not buy an eight inch tablet. I just don't see. I I will never. There's just no market for that. It's only the first iteration of their, <laughs> their iPad Mini. I I am willing to bet that they'll get better at it within a couple of years. But then by then, all the others will be light years ahead too so yeah i yeah. I, I, I think you're right i i think the biggest indication that there's something wrong with apple is if they don't improve this right if this is just a one-time throwaway product i think that's a big indication there's something wrong and of course it's too early to tell so we do need to move on we spent plenty of time on apple um into more apple news 
<laughs> so <laughs> there was a copyright war going on between Apple and, oh, everyone else. Because on all iOS devices, when you scroll, when you hit the bottom or top of something, what happens? Well, maybe you guys don't know. You're all Android fans. But the entire content that you're scrolling does what's called a rubber band effect. Right. Where you're able to scroll past it, and then it springs back. Yeah. Okay? Uh, and for a while, it was on Android. And then, and then it had to be removed from some phones. Right. Other phone manufacturers didn't care because Apple said that they trademarked that. Mm-hmm. U.S. court has said, mm, yeah. Nope. So that got thrown out. Nice. They why said, that's rubber band? Why, why, why can't it be like molasses or... Because it rubber bands. Like Windows sidestepped this entire issue. If you uh, use a Windows device, uh, Windows Phone, uh, instead of rubber banding, it compresses. Nice. So you can't actually scroll past the content. Instead, the content uh, compresses on one side or the other as if the entire thing was made out of rubber. So is Apple going to have to print an apology saying we're sorry for patent trolling Oh, no, because this isn't the UK or Germany. We're not so mean. <laughs> uh, into RIM news. Ooh, we haven't talked about them for a couple oh, weeks. Oh, oh. I, I know. This is kind of weird. Uh, the it's... U.S. Border Patrol. Mm-hmm. Who was it that kept pointing? I, Stark, I want to say it was you. Yeah, basically, RIM, one of the biggest strengths RIM had is the fact that they you could secure the email through their own servers to go into the Blackberries, and that was basically one of the biggest reasons why uh, RIM was, one, staying alive, and then, two, why, why, why they were using this particular device. Um, at the company that we also used to work for, one of the, one of the duties that, that, that we had in one of the divisions I had is that if somebody was leaving the country, they had to leave their, their government Blackberry at, and I'm not, I'm not this is common knowledge. This isn't anything that's like top secret and like that. But they had to leave their BlackBerry at, at home or in the office, and they had to get an out-of-country BlackBerry to take with them. Um, basically because of the part of the reason is that just because just from them walking from the airplane to the hotel, traveling from the airplane to the hotel, there would be a lot of hack attempts on the BlackBerry itself. And, again, the security is what kept the BlackBerry going. Well... I'd heard that the well, and Android OS... Sorry, we should point out here that it was the biggest reason why government agencies use BlackBerry. Yes. It was the biggest reason why government agencies used, used, used the Blackberries. I'd heard that the Android OS and, and, and software had become secure enough that it was considered for government use. Don't know if it's ever going to happen or not. So what I was surprised about by this article wasn't the fact that they were replacing the Blackberries, but they were replacing them with iPhones. Yeah, I didn't know that the iPhone had gotten to that point where they had government clearance. Well, the um, U.S. Border Patrol Agency has decided to ditch all Blackberries and start outfitting everything with iPhones. Now, I don't know why they're going with the iPhones. It could be that they don't require the same level of encryption because they don't have documents or they don't have access to the network. It could be a million different reasons. I don't know why. Hope they don't they're use just the fanboys. Maybe they are. hope they don't use the maps that are on there. <laughs> I swear, we're on the right side of the border here. <laughs> no, we're not. It says we're in France. Um, <laughs> I thought we were in Canada, eh? Looks like Mexico. Maybe that's actually the the true reason why they've been 
they're using iPhones. Apple's actually giving them to them free to it's like we really need some user data from these particular areas. Could you just kind of patrol with the iPhone in your pocket? So, <laughs> That's but uh, awesome. But this is a huge blow against RIM because if this kind of uh, if this keeps going through the government, if one agency other, says, they, "Hey, wait a minute," they don't need to use them. They can use whatever they want. We want to do the same thing. Uh, it's going to start eating into their income. Because remember, the government contracts are the only ones that they don't have to pay on that horrible litigation that came through. Hmm. So this is their easy money. This is their low-hanging fruit. And if that's getting taken away, they're going to find it a lot harder to recover. So that's that's basically why I originally entitled this one, Another Nail in the Coffin. How many more nails are there? Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. What should we talk about next? Ooh, during the Apple event. More Apple news. Uh, some uh, sneaky news tried to happen while everyone else was focusing on Apple. Zynga quietly closed. How many is it now? Two, three. They closed some farms. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to call it that, then yes. There's no more cows, so they had to close the farm. They laid off a hundred developers. Yeah. They laid off. Oh, okay. Wow. They actually closed their own farms. Okay. They were probably playing too many games in the office. Now, Zynga Boston has been completely shut down. Um, they let off like 80% of their Chicago office, um, a big chunk at their Zynga Austin office, um, and, well, and more I, to come, I, I hear. so. <laughs> I think the interesting thing about their Austin office is they did this during the Apple event, so it wasn't well-publicized, um, but they gave the employees two hours to clear the building. Wow, that's that's just kind of dirty in my mind. But you know, what do you expect from a company that makes all their money ripping off other companies' ideas? You know what I bet? I bet they're coming out with a game called Zingaville, and they're going to have their users run the company. Whole Ender's Game style. <laughs> that's right. If they could pull that off, if anyone can pull it off, it'd be Zynga. <laughs> we we just realized that. According to these Minecraft guys, we're not going to be able to certify any of our games for Windows 8. We better just close down now. <laughs> Sorry, some obscure angst there. <laughs> yeah, so really odd. Really kind of sucky for those developers, but at the same time, I have a hard time feeling bad for them after they've shoved purple cows on me so much. Yeah, you know, I you hate to see anybody lose a job, especially in this economy, but... Uh, it's Zynga. I mean, I just despise them. <laughs> Go get a real job. Oh, I, that I was just, mean. I'm sorry. I just despise them. So, you know, I, I, I'll be glad when Zynga's gone. I, I really hope, though, that the developers that they're laying off are able to land on their feet quickly. Yeah. Maybe working at a studio that um, doesn't suck so badly. Just saying. Um... Remember last week when we talked about my question as to what on earth Amazon is doing? Evidently, here's the answer. They're losing money. Somehow, mm-hmm. last quarter, they earned $13.81 billion with a B. It's a lot of money. Jeez. And yet, overall, they still lost $274 million. Mm-hmm. How? how? That, that just broke my brain. They made that much, but they had spent so much more that they still came up in the red. They need to learn how to do a 
budget, man. They need to learn that maybe buying every chipset developer and tablet manufacturer under the sun all at once isn't a very good idea. Yeah. Remember, we talked about them wanting to buy TI, Texas Instruments, and they've already talked with other manufacturers, and they're buying up APIs and software developers left and right, like they're trying to build their own hardware company. Well, in doing so, they... How do you... How do you spend more than $13 billion? Uh, I, maybe I'm not understanding your math correctly, because you said they lo- lost $274 million? Mm-hmm. That's a lot less than $13 billion. But no, they, they made... Thir- almost fourteen billion dollars. Yet they're still in the red. Almost they, they had expenditures that was more than what they made in. Oh, it's that those numbers are just that's crazy. That's I mean, staggering. Their revenue was up like twenty seven percent last quarter, and yet they're still losing almost three hundred million dollars. That is insane. I. I have no ways. Like I, I'll just reiterate what I said last week. Amazon, I have no clue what you're doing. None whatsoever. Well, I hope that they do, because I like to buy stuff from Amazon. Yeah, I miss Newegg. That that was not a paid endorsement, and I still do shop at <laughs> Newegg. <laughs> so if if anyone else has any clue what Amazon's doing, feedback at StolenDroids.com, because we're in the dark on this one, mm. and that's that's unusual for us. Okay. Um, into comic news. Now, there was an an, an Onion article uh, a few weeks back that stated that the most unbelievable part of the Superman comic series is the existence of a newspaper agency that has suffered no economic downturn in the light of e-commerce, e-print, e-zines, uh, that has not had to do any layoffs and actually still employs people. Eh, that's changed. <laughs> Yeah, they had to yeah. open up their mouth, didn't they? Well, uh, when I read that article, and of course it's the onion, it's fake news. I'm like, you know, actually they're right. That is the most un... I would believe that an alien from another planet with superpowers had come here to be our benevolent savior before I believed that a news agency still existed like that. Yeah. A, a, a print news agency. Yeah. That's, that's the awesome thing is newspapers. Yeah, what are those? So, in the upcoming uh, Superman series, he no longer works at the Daily Planet. Yeah, he actually quit to be a blogger, which I have a lot of issues with what they're doing with Superman. Superman is an icon. And ever since the New 52 started a year ago, They've changed his costume. In fact, we talked a couple weeks ago about how they were changing his costume again. Um, Because it's iconic, and it's fun to do crap to iconic figures. You know, let's just make them no longer iconic. And now, it makes sense, yet it bothers me that they keep changing a 75-80 your history. I mean, well, and they're also they're also going to change him. You know, he's no longer super. Cause that doesn't sound. He's now slightly more than an adequate man. <laughs> he's above average. He's above it. He really. They, they want to make him more relatable to us. You know, he's now good guy man. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because one of the reasons that 
I think Marvel does so much better than DC is because the DC comics, it's hard to relate to them because, I mean, let's face it, they're all gods. With the exception of, like, Batman and, He's you know, a god in his own a way. few others. But they're gods among men. And so it, it's hard to relate to that. It's like going and having having drinks with Zeus or something, you know? You just, what do you talk about? You don't do that? <laughs> so, just... Depending how much you've been drinking. <laughs> don't throw lightning at me, Zeus. Um, don't but, tease you know, me. I, and, and <laughs> don't maybe, tease me, bro. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. Maybe you're onto something there. Is they're trying to make him more relatable? Oh, he's a blogger. He's he's not a reporter. We got bloggers coming out our ears in the world these days. You know, let's let's make him a blogger. I mean, it makes sense. Bloggers make lots of money. Yes, we do. Sponsor hey. us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we need to get to um, commercials. We've been running long here. Uh, we will see you uh, on the flip side. In today's world, it can be hard to find time to spend with a good book. That's where the guys at Open Book Audio can help. Open Book Audio offers a large selection of pre-recorded audiobooks for you to enjoy while driving to work, working out, or any other time you feel like enjoying a good story. Open Book Audio not only has pre-recorded audiobooks, but can also help you record your self-published book as well, giving authors another way to distribute their stories. Their fast, professional service combined with affordable pricing ensure your book is made with the highest quality. So no matter if you're an author or a reader, Open Book Audio has what you need. You can visit them on the web at openbookaudio.com. That's openbookaudio.com. Open Book Audio. Your story out loud. Hello, and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast. Uh, Zook, wait. Um, I can never remember when I can hear the Stolen Droids Podcast. Well, you can start out the week with us on trekradio.net every Monday at noon Eastern Standard. Okay, but what if I miss it on Monday? Well, then you can catch us Tuesday on KryptonRadio.com, 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Ooh, and if I miss it then, too? Well, you can always find us on iTunes and play us anytime from your iPod or iPhone. Well, you know I don't own any Apple stuff. Okay, then you can stream us to your Android device from Stitcher.com, on demand whenever you want. Smeg. I don't have any room left on my Android. You can always listen to us at StolenDroids.com. Um, but... You're not <sighs> trying very hard at this, are you? Stole Droids Podcast. It's kind of hard to avoid. Alright, we are back. Yay, we're back. We're missing fast lanes again. To be honest, fast lanes only come about when we have a lot of little headlines, and you know what? Either we've been so tired this last week, or just not that much has been happening. If you see something that you think might be a good fast lane, send it to us. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. And not necessarily a, just a fast lane, just anything you want to hear what we think about. Send it to us. You know, we'll tell you our opinion, even if we're wrong. Indeed. <laughs> it's not right. what we do. I'm the one who proposed this talking point. And regarding cyber war. And we've got a couple of articles that are in the talking point that are in the show notes uh, regarding recent hacks from Iran. Uh, different things that have happened. Uh, I'm pretty sure a few of them will be referenced during the talking point itself. The question that I wanted to pose to the panel is that when do we as IT people, and a lot of people who listen to us, I would kind of consider to be IT people because they're interested in technology of some sort, 
when do we as IT people see this cyber war as something serious? And in war, I mean, by the definition of war, I mean something that distresses us. War is a distressing thing. It can cause... Okay, let's let's simplify that a little bit. Okay, so we've been talking about for a while now all this different cyber warfare that's been going around. Countries hacking each other, sending in viruses, making custom code to really screw with people, right? Health service attacks, all sorts of things, yeah. Yeah, well, we've also seen an uptick in private groups hacking each other, hacktivists or just general deviants, for lack of a better word. I know that makes me sound ancient, but... and so it's, my <laughs> it's just a whole new faction, if you will. When does it stop being cyber warfare and become actual, or I should say, when does that frontline attack hit us? Well, see, that's what I wanted. That, that, that was the other question I wanted to ask. When does the cyber warfare cause distress to the general public? Because we, we, there, was a dis, there was a discussion where one of the, um, and I, I know great research, so, somebody gave a warning that we were expecting a cyber pearl harbor to happen anytime soon. What do we think would, co- what, what would we define as a cyber pearl harbor? I think the problem with that is, is that there isn't one thing we could say about that online. Um, I'm going to touch on some kind of touchy subjects here. Actual Pearl Harbor, there was a physical attack that everyone could relate to. Yes. September 11th, there was a physical attack that people could relate to. Um, This whole business in Libya, there was a physical attack. Well, online, you could say that the Sony hack from last year was that, except for the fact that it didn't affect me. Well, that's just it. A lot of people are saying, if if I were to turn to my, my brother and say, you know, he's an accountant, and I would say, okay, cyber war, blah, 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 blah. He'd kind of just look at me and say, what, what, what book are you reading or what movie are, are you telling me about? They think this is some sort of science fiction. Right. I seriously think that a Pearl Harbor event, a, a catastrophic event, is going to be something where people are actually getting killed. Somehow... And I remember there. I read an article in a, a thing called a magazine that used to come out a long time ago. Um, that basically they talked about a, a cyber war in the 21st century. And one of the examples they used is that the hack the hackers had actually caused airplanes to fly into each other. Well, see, I wouldn't get that melodramatic about it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm saying that yes, it is possible they could hack air traffic control. They could hack different things like that. Eventually, uh, they could hack power grids. We've already discussed that in previous episodes. Or weapon systems, which would be horrifying. Drones, the drone fleets. But they don't need something so dramatic to really affect us. A couple episodes ago, we talked about the bank hacks that happened. Right. Where people, their their banks were hit. That's pretty life-altering, too. If you lose all your money or something happens there. That's actually what I was just thinking. You know, what what better way to bring a country to its knees or the world to its knees than to cripple the financial institutions. Yeah, that's, that's everything's like elect- terrorism, cyber terrorism. Yeah, I mean ev- everything's electronic. Well, I mean, it, it could be argued that Pearl Harbor was an act of terrorism too. Exactly. Uh, but you know, you what you look at every everybody is tied into their banks. Even the poorest among us have credit cards. You know, people have ATM cards. Everybody has some sort of connection to a financial institution of some sort. If you bring the financial institutions down, 
the country stops. Okay. People can't, people can't get gas. People can't get food. And it could be argued that that is the most relatable online experience. Not everyone no. has Sony networking. No one. Not everyone has Netflix. Not everyone. I mean, you could take down all of World of Warcraft. It won't affect me any. Yeah. Yeah. But you take it down the banking system of America, and everyone's going to feel it. I, I would. I would. I would amend Zoner's statement that not the poorest among us don't all have credit cards, but even the poorest among us are in some way affected by a bank's computer system. So. Yeah. Could there be an, a hit on enough of a banking system to cause this much of a crippling Pearl Harbor type of event? With how many different banks there are, how many different systems they all have. It's I mean, I know, I know a lot of them are intermingled. Yeah, but it, I think it's definitely plausible but with the number of banks there are. The, the possibility to, to affect everyone is very slim. I, I think a bigger attack would be if they were just just cripple the entire internet. It, it'd be mm. easier than attacking all the banks. I, I would disagree, actually, because at a base, at some point, all banks need to be able to speak to each other. Yes, the banking industry is somewhat incestuous. Um, yeah, they they're actually all tail in on the same system. And it's all based off of the government's uh, access with the treasury as well. Hmm. And so that that's where your bank pulls a lot of its information from and uploads a lot of its information to. Now, we're not trying to tell everyone out there, this is your anarchist cookbook for the internet, but just kind of make aware and ask the question about, you know, at what point would cyber terrorism or cyber warfare affect you as a private citizen? At what point would you suddenly feel like the front lines have hit you, like we did on September 11th or at Pearl Harbor or whatnot? And, and like I said, the le- the level of distress. Now, we're sorry, go ahead. Well, I, and I was going to say because where someone's freaked out about it, where it's actually making the news. I mean, yeah, every once in a while, some news reporter will say, "Oh, blah 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 blah, cyber terrorism." But most of the time, like I said, my brother will say, "Again, what science fiction book are you reading? When is this really going to hit? Where the public's going to say?" oh my gosh, this is a serious situation, what's being done about it? I think a big part of it will require people to actually just change their mindset about cybersecurity and people who break it. Right now you think hacker. Oh, well, it's just like a 13-year-old punk, right? Yeah, sure. You think of uh, terrorists in the Middle East. Oh, well, they all wear turbans on their head and shoot AKs into the air and they strap bombs to their chest, right? Well, no, because... There are people in the Middle East or in China or anywhere else who are actually very advanced and elaborate hackers who are trying to do major things to us. Now, I just don't mean us, the U.S., but us, everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay, China hacks us. Guess what? We hack China. People in Europe hack each other. They hack us. They hack everyone. Okay? I mean, the, the, the Stuxnet that, that, that shut down the Iranian uh, nuclear program. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, but people people look at it, and, and for instance, uh, Valve, and there's holes everywhere. There's security holes. A gentleman in, um, where is it? Budapest. Uh, Bul- sorry, Bulgaria, actually. Just bought 1.1 million users' information off of Facebook. He spent five bucks. Holy cow. Five U.S. dollars to buy 1.1 million users' information. And not just public users private users, private email addresses, their own different stuff. 
he's not a hacker. He did it just to prove that he could. He handed all the information right back over to Facebook, and Facebook's like, yeah, we, have, we, we had no idea you could do this, that to the system. That's private information. Okay. Um, we, we've talked about banks before. We've talked about all that different stuff. Valve, um, who makes different various video games, they have their Steam service, which is installed, I dare say, on a lot of computers. They just found a vulnerability that allows people to take over your computer completely if you have Steam installed. Yeah, remote desktop style. So it's like another reason for me not to get Steam, okay? <laughs> so it's like we have a we have more and more security breaches all over us, but people don't see them as breaches. You know, I think that's a lot of times be- they don't even know how how compromised their own personal computer is. Which is usually why we tell a lot of people make sure you're keeping your antivirus and your anti-spyware and all those stuff updated. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that that are happening that we probably don't know about, which is probably why when this distress event does happen, and I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking it maybe it might be something of the infrastructure, but that's just my own personal, you know, thought. Mm-hmm. Maybe it might not be the bank. Maybe it might be <laughs> auto works or transportation or something to that effect. You know, well, something's uh, going to happen where it's going to suddenly be front page news. Let me throw out another question then here for everyone. Do you think that this huge move to the cloud before people are properly educated or before before the new mindset, the new paradigm has kicked into society is a mistake then? Because more and more things are moving to the cloud now. People don't even know what the cloud is. They don't realize how their security is affected or that the threat to their online security is so near. And I know this is very doom and gloom of me, but I, I want to hear what you guys think. <laughs> I, I well, think that, I, that moving people prematurely to the cloud is is bordering on the side of bad mistake, but at the same time, that is up to the users to learn about it. Well, and I think that one of the things we need to do, and I'm talking about just not us on the podcast, but I think the IT the IT uh, businesses and maybe even the government, just like they warn you about what to do to, to be prepared for a tornado and what to do to prepare be prepared for floods and stuff like that, is maybe we need to have more education for the general users. We're moving into a more and more of a computerized society, especially with how much we just talked about with the banks. We need to educate people why it's important to, you know, act certain ways on the computers and make sure you're, just like you'd want to make sure there's certain maintenance and upkeep with your car to keep your car safe, the same thing with your computer. You've got to do certain things with your own personal computer and the same thing with your work computers. Zahn, are you going to say something? Uh, well, you know, I, I think how many times we live in Utah here where we have constant stories. Every time there's an earthquake anywhere in the world, we see news stories. Is Utah ready? How many of us are going to die when the big one hits? Probably all of us. It should be noted to the internet world who are listening that we live right on a huge fault line that has been due to go off for like a hundred years. Yeah. We've got like nine major hospitals on the fault line itself. <laughs> yeah. So it's people like build their house right on the fault line and it's supposed to like increase your property value exponentially or something. I don't know. But um yeah, I mean how many times do we see those news stories though and it's just like oh 
another news story. We're all going to die. Yeah, we get it. How many times do people see this stuff about cybersecurity? Oh, yeah, this, whatever, you know, it's... What movie is that in? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not going to happen to me. I don't think that people are going to really wake up until they get hit, until they have their identity stolen online, until they have whatever, you know, whatever bad thing can happen to you online, your Facebook account hacked, even. I mean, it's a good example because. Go ahead, I'll finish. People just aren't, by nature, we are stupid that way. We don't listen to the warnings until it's too late. Yeah. Uh, last year when uh, we had Amazon servers were hacked and Dropbox was hacked, it, it was a big news article for about a day and people yeah. forgot about it. It's like, yeah, eh, no big deal. I'll keep using them in Google Drive. I mean, I'm not saying that they, they shouldn't continue using them, but it, it, it doesn't really open people's eyes because, oh, I wasn't affected. No. Yeah, I, exactly. I, my mind works in different ways than most people, and I get that. But I look at this huge move to the cloud, despite the uh, growing worry of cybersecurity, uh, as kind of like Hawaii. Bear with me on this, okay? Everyone wants real estate in Hawaii, right? Sure. Everyone wants mm-hmm. the beautiful views, the ocean views. It's gorgeous there, but it's limited in land. So everyone wants to buy land in Hawaii. Well, hey, look, here's this new field that's just opened up. People can build there. It's great. It's a lava flow, you know, but uh, don't let that worry you because the lava is just making new land. You can build there. Now, that sounds pretty obvious because all of us have eyes. We can all see, hey, look, there's lava flowing right there. Not a good place to stake your claim and build your entire life right here, right? Well, in the cyber world, people don't see that. They don't realize that the danger is really right there. It's under your feet. It's next door. You're about to, you know, metaphorically stake your claim and build right there next to a lava flow. But we see that all the time, Zook, with people in the south with the hurricanes and people in the Midwest with tornadoes in their trailer parks. Yeah, the t- tornado done came and took us out just like it did six weeks ago, but darned if we're not going to rebuild our double wide, you know? I, I think I just pissed off a lot of people. But, you know, we see that mentality, and it, it, we're stupid. We don't get it. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. I've got all my music on uh, on, on my Google Drive. Uh, it's okay if, if a big earthquake comes and hits all of Ameri- you know, United States. Never mind the fact that my server, the servers, the host Google Drive are in the United States. If we don't, yeah, they, they don't think about that. The servers are physically located somewhere. The phys- something could happen that many different ways. And this is kind of moving off the topic because you know, music is not quite the same as your personal finances. No, of but not. or your personal <laughs> safety. You know, and and that's a natural occurrence. That's a natural devastation of an earthquake. But, uh, you know, all my stuff is on Google Drive because I'm foolish like that. All my music, all my videos, all my personal stuff, my tax returns, I mean, everything is on Google Drive. Which is like a hacker's dream. Yeah. That's that's a honeypot right there for them. And then all of a sudden, you know, hackers come in, be they 13-year-old pricks 
or I'm going to have to eat myself. Um, or or be, they, <laughs> be they government agencies that actually want to do us harm. Right. Either way, my life is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. do you think it would be more of a personal thing that would be a Pearl Harbor event, or do you think it would be a large-scale thing that would be a Pearl Harbor event? Uh, well, I think it would have to be personal. I, I, I think See, that it's I, going I think to have... I think it would have to... Sorry, go ahead, Zezer. Uh, I, I think it's for it to be considered a Pearl Harbor-type event, it's going to have to be widespread, but it's going to have to hit you where it hurts. It's going to be personal for, for many people, but it's going to be personal for a lot of people. Yeah, it would have to be widespread, but personal. Otherwise, we will just simply write it off. And see, I think it would have to be large-scale. I think it would actually have to be a 9-11 type of destruction or loss of life. I, and, I don't think so. Here's person. why. Here's why. Um, did you know that the, the Twin Towers were actually attacked twice? Well, yeah. They, they were, there was a, there was a, you're talking about the bombing that happened several years earlier. Yeah. Most people don't actually remember that. Yeah, and the, the, the 93 bombing. Yeah, the 93 bombing in the basement in the garage. Huge yeah, but that, devastation. That bombing, but that bombing didn't cause as much devastation as the second bombing did, or the second attack did. Well, of course not, and it wasn't in the news very long either. We couldn't relate to it. There wasn't this devastation we could see. There wasn't a death toll that made us cringe. It wasn't personal. It didn't resonate with us on any personal level. It was a bomb in a garage. Who cares, right? I'm speaking facetiously. It was still pretty horrible, <laughs> and I do believe some people were killed. But yeah. It, but it didn't resonate with us personally. September 11th, if it didn't immediately resonate with you, it was then replayed on every TV worldwide for like months. But the reason why it resonated with us personally is because of the amount of loss of life. Right. And, but and that's not necessary. If everyone in the state lost all their finances because of hackers... You don't think that would resonate with each of us personally? I believe it would. That's widespread, I, I believe- and it's personal. It's a personal attack. It does not require huge amounts of devastation. But that would also be... Well, I, 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 count, I, I count that as large-scale. I would count that as large-scale. And But I also still think that somehow loss of life would still be a bigger devastating event than losing finances. Losing finances would be a devastating event. I believe that is still the same mindset, the same paradigm as the people who don't think that these cyber attacks affect them at all. Because it's not a loss of life. It's no big deal. Right? No one died. And there's a lot of people who are going to think that way. Right. So I think that your your mentality is still an example of the other one. I would love to keep going on this, but we are running out of time fast. So we want to hear what you guys think. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. What would constitute a personal cyber attack for you? At what point would you feel that you were involved in the cyber war? So we want to hear. Uh, Into our favorites and running fast through them, uh, we have the greatest photobomb in history. A photobomb is when you take a picture of one thing and someone else has popped their head into it or done something and something else. (laughs) Something else and it completely changes the context. This particular one is two boys in Los Angeles playing you know, playing a game of hoops in their backyard, and that's great. Oh, and who's that poking its head over the fence? It's the Space Shuttle Endeavor. (laughs) (laughs) It was literally being driven up their street to its final place, and so out of nowhere, 
you have the space shuttle in this shot, and the boys didn't even know. I see an entire new meme popping up from this. <laughs> so it's funny. I mean, it's just a picture, but check it out. Um, if you are a fan of Mech Warrior or Battletech or anything like that, then you are going to love my favorite this week. You can actually buy a robot mech warrior I guess um, I don't know is that is that the proper term Zook you're yes. more aware than I am um, they run about a million and a half dollars um, but there are a couple videos of these things and I gotta tell you they're freaking sweet I, I think um, I need one for Christmas Santa if you're listening um, please of course. <laughs> uh, my favorite uh, is uh, it, the largest zoomable image of our galaxy. I know a while ago, um, uh, one of us, it might have even been me, uh, Google and a bunch of other people had done one of the entire universe. Um, this one is our galaxy, and it's a little higher resolution than the previous one. It's a 9 gigapixel image uh, stitched together from thousands of individual infrared pictures. The Paranal Observatory in Chile um, has been working on this for the past uh, couple decades, and uh, essentially uh, they released it in a zoomable, uh, panable uh, image on the internet. Uh, be careful to uh, be careful when you click on it. It does take a long time to load because it is loading most of it into your RAM. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's pretty cool and pretty awesome. So check it out. All right. So my favorite is one of those that when you see the idea, you think, why the heck did I not think of that? Somebody's going to be making a lot of money off of this. Um, essentially what it is, it's a ring that has an outside that spins, and they've actually turned it into ring dice. So while it's on your finger, you can spin the outside of it, and it turns it into... Um, it, it, there's, there's a marker on it, and whatever the number lands on, that's the random number that you come up with. They've got, uh, of course, the various uh, D6s, D8s, D12s. They've even got du dual rings on there, like percentage. And then they've even got some of the different card games on rings so far. So really cool idea. Someone's going to like make a lot of money. Very cool. All right, now one of the reasons I wanted to rush through this is because we have a... Um, a question to ask the listeners. We are planning on redeveloping uh, the Stolen Droid site. We're going to completely redo it. We want your input. We want your feedback on how you would want to be able to navigate it, what features you want to see more of, what ones you don't want to see anymore, which ones you've never even known were there. Uh, so please let us know. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. We're going to start taking new designs and figuring out a way to make the site better for you. So let us know. Uh, until next time, I want to say again uh, thanks to our, our friends, TrekRadio.net, CryptonRadio.com, OpenBookAudio.com, and Stitch.com. Until next time, cheers. End of line. One to beam up. Good day. <laughs>